Hey everyone, welcome to episode number two of Musicians for Mental Health. On this podcast, we speak with musicians about mental health openly and honestly without the veil of lyrics. We are not mental health professionals. We are not licensed therapists or counselors. We are people that have our own personal experiences with mental health and want to shed light on these things. On this episode, I speak with Sophie Powers, who is a 16-year-old artist out of Toronto, Canada. Um, We spoke about loneliness and isolation in youth. Um, It was a topic that kind of sparked from her song, Lonely Army. And Sophie, even at the age of 16, has such a handle and way of articulating about mental health that is very promising to see that someone of her age is mature enough and open enough to start discussing these things and want to make changes and want to help others realize that they're not alone. And it was just a really great conversation. I really appreciate Sophie taking the time to have the conversation with me and being so open and honest about her own struggles and putting her perspective out there so that others can understand like even though you're young and maybe for adults too like even though someone is young it does not invalidate their mental health it does not invalidate their problems their problems and mental health are real and they matter I don't want to take up a ton of time before this conversation uh, because I think Sophie and I covered a lot of ground and had a really great in-depth conversation, and I want you guys to enjoy that. So here is my conversation with Sophie Powers. Basically, to start things off, I'd love for you just to introduce yourself, kind of tell who you are, uh, you know, the goals of your, your musical project, because obviously this is all still tied into music um, and just kind of where you're coming from. Okay. Yeah. I'm Sophie Powers. I'm 16. Uh, I write music. I eat, sleep and breathe music. (laughs) And my recent single Lonely Army is about mental health. And that is something that I'm really passionate about with my writing for music um, music for me was like the thing that got me through a lot of dark times. So kind of my goal, I guess you could say, whenever anyone asks me what's your goal with music, my goal is to have the same, to be able to have the same effect that music had on me and help get other kids through those dark times in the way that music helped me. Like if I could do that with my music, that's all I really want. Absolutely. You know, I think the cool thing with that is, A, you know, I told you just a minute ago, I'll, I'll try not to bring up your age too much, because I think it it gives an unfair point of view for a lot of people when they hear, oh, she's only 16, like, she hasn't experienced life. And it's just not true, you know, so, but I think it's really cool that even at such a young age, you've already figured out, like, I know that this is important to me, and that this is what I want to speak about. Mm-hmm. No, like, I, well, thank you for saying that. (laughs) I totally agree because, um, you know, talking about mental health so openly, the more open that I can be, I feel like the easier it is for even other kids my age to be like slightly open or more open because they're seeing me talking about it. Um, And it's, it's not only that, but it's also like mental health in youth is scarcely high especially right now with the pandemic and I wrote this song knowing that so like I'm not sure if my age is like a a good thing surrounding that or if it's like bad that I'm you know young knowing that but it's a fact (laughs) yeah yeah so one of the stats around mental health that is like so shocking to me and so like just like it makes you really take a step back and look at it um nami the national alliance on mental health i believe it was from 2019 is the report that i saw this but still 
suicide was the second leading cause of death in people age 10 to 34. Like there are 10 year olds committing suicide and it's the second most commonly used form, you know, like our reason for their death. And it's like, how are we okay with that as a society that there are 10 year olds, 15 year olds, 16 year olds, like anyone, really anyone at any age, but there's 10 year olds committing suicide. In 2019, my younger siblings would have been 11. And that's like really, really just upsetting even for me to hear. I just like think about that, like knowing that that's their age group and like my generation. It's just, it's really sad, honestly. And, 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 you know, like, obviously, mental health isn't fun to talk about in in the sense that, you know, it, it's hard to talk about it in a happy sense. Um, you know, I've struggled with depression pretty much my whole life. Um, I've had anxiety issues in the past as well. You know, and kind of like what you were saying earlier, as far as, you know, the more open I can be about it, I feel like the more open my friend group can be about it. And through this podcast, hopefully more people can be. And I think it's so important, especially knowing that stat, that, you know, 10-year-olds are committing suicide because they can't go to their parents and their parents accept what they're telling them as a real problem. I mean, my parents are so supportive of me. Like, I'm literally doing online school for music at 16. So like, I'm really lucky. But a lot of my friends, when I was writing Lonely Army, like I was bringing up the conversation of my mental health. Nobody brought it up to me. I was always the one bringing it up to them. But once I did bring it up to them, it was like I had opened this whole door, I guess, that they had been like hiding from their, I don't know, like parents or hiding from whoever really just because they felt uncomfortable talking about it unless like someone else was like the one who was bringing it up and stuff. And I was like, what I just didn't understand and I was like I thought I only had this door but so many of my friends had that so it's crazy that you do say that it's so true yeah and I I think you know again not to to beat the dead horse about the age but at your age like we said really before the kickoff of the the podcast portion of this like it's so easy for adults whether it's parents or not you know teachers or whoever to go, oh, you're 16. It's just a bad day. You'll get over it. When in actuality, it's like, no, this has been going on for a while. And like, I'm trying to open up and trying to get help. But then you're just getting constantly shut down and closed off that then that's where, you know, the real negative turn takes its effect. Yeah. It's also like, it's also because, I mean, for me, for instance, like when I, for example, I opened up to my school guidance counselor at like, I left the school. It was just a really like bad experience. This is just one encounter of like what you're speaking about, like getting shut down as a kid that I had personally. I opened up to my guidance counselor and I explained to him like kind of there was a situation going on at my school with like some other girls and I, I felt bullied, you know, and like I wasn't just going to sit there and take it. So when I retaliated, I would like kind of get the brunt of things it felt like from the teachers and stuff. And then telling my guidance counselor those problems, he would be like, just wait till you have to pay your rent. And then like started laughing. And I was like, that was really hard for me when you start laughing and saying that my problems aren't valid just because they're not adult problems and they're not seen as your type of problems. They're still problems. So I totally know what you mean by that. Yeah, and I, I think that's, that's something that for, you know, listeners to really think about too is, you know, yeah, you know, I have a house payment. It sucks, but it's a monthly payment that I deal with, whatever. Like that's unfortunately the cost of being a, an adult, you know, but to say like, like what you said, the, I think the wording was really good that just because my problem isn't your problem and it's not a quote unquote adult problem doesn't mean it's not a real problem, you know? So like, yeah, especially in your age group and honestly, 
any age group nowadays because of social media and stuff like cyberbullying and just all the toxicity that is around social media. It it's insane. Social media is a blessing and a curse in my opinion, because we have access to all of this information all of the time, but it's like, we literally have access to the worst possible information every second of the day that takes a toll on your mental yeah. health as a kid. Yeah. You know, and, and I think you know within that. So, kind of both, uh, you know, two sides of this is one: it's friends and family, so you can see what's going on and things like that, and that's always positive. Well, should always be positive, <laughs> um, but then you know, like the amount of access you have to the news and the amount of people that go on social media and then compare themselves to what other people are posting about, and it's like, well, why don't I have the fancy car, or why don't you know? it's life's unfair and it, it is and it isn't, you know, life was never meant to be fair, but you know, I have no illusions that I'm ever going to be as popular as Kim Kardashian. So I shouldn't compare myself to Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Like, sorry. It's just funny that you say that because I was literally like thinking the other day, like they get so much hate. I imagine being at the brunt of that hate that is how some people feel even when they're not getting that hate and just like that same emotion probably that like Kim feels when she's getting all that hate like that's probably what some people like feel who are the ones who are directing that hate they feel like her and they feel so I I mean I can't imagine how she would feel obviously but I I couldn't speak to her her, for her emotions but the people emitting those feelings of hate really have stuff going on. And I feel bad for them also as much as I feel bad for Kim getting that hate. Um, it's great that everyone's so aware though, like online, like of like all this information that we have at the access of our fingertips. It's great. And for like, I think my generation is one of the most aware generations so far because of that. And like, I think I know stuff that you wouldn't have dreamed of knowing like 10 years ago if you were a kid, you know, which is great. Like that's going to help me. That's going to help my future. That's going to impact the person that I become. But also those little DMs that I get every day, like, oh, like you're gross. Like you like white girl thinks you can sing. Those build up. And it's, it's hard to like, I'm not saying I'm like at the brunt of hate, like I'm not like this a lot, but you know, um, those little comments, even not online, they do build up, you know? No, no, you're totally fine. That's, that's why I want to do this podcast. Um, but I think, you know, to kind of to one of the points that you were getting at, you know, a lot of times the people that are bullying and making those comments are also at home being bullied or, you know, there's something in their life that's causing them to project their problems onto you or their negative feelings onto you. Um, I said I wasn't going to bring up your age too much, but you may be too young and just never have seen this movie. Have you ever seen the movie The Breakfast Club? I have. Okay. So, My mom. Uh, it. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. good. Um, you know, the, the outcast is bullying everybody through the whole movie. And then you find out about halfway through the movie that like his old man is putting out cigars on his arm and, you know, he's being abused at home. So he takes it out at school. And I think that's so often the case. And it's like, obviously it's hard to like, when somebody's bullying, you'd be like, Hey, is some, you know, is everything okay? Like I'm trying to be your friend now, but at some point, you kind of have to take that into your mind at least and go, you know what? It's not about me. It's about what they're dealing with. That's what I had to learn. Like, I I really had to learn over this past year, like with struggling, I would get so, because I have really bad anxiety and I would get so anxious when people would, like, it was almost to the point where I was like, I felt very fragile because someone could say like the mm-hmm. smallest thing. And I would just be like, why are you saying that? Like all these thoughts, you know? But then I was like, oh my gosh, their actions are literally a reflection of who they are. And it has nothing to do with how they are towards me. Like it has nothing to do with me. It's them. 
And that thought calmed down my anxiety so much. Just like knowing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's That's something we all could be better at. Um, But I think, you know, especially for younger listeners to the podcast, that's something to really take into consideration is when you get picked on online or whatever it is, especially online, I think, because it's so easy to sit behind a computer or behind a phone screen and say whatever, because you're not in that person's face. So there, there's no immediate reaction nine times out of 10. But you have to take into consideration that, you know what, let them, they can say that to me, that's fine, because somebody's probably saying something worse to them. And that's why they're saying it to me. Yeah. And it really takes a lot of maturity, I think, to reach that point. Also, like as a young kid, like, like I couldn't even start thinking that way until like grade, grade 10. I kept always just thinking that like, because I thought that like, or like for me personally, because I wasn't receiving like worse comments and I wasn't putting out comments towards others. At least I don't think I was. Um, I, I can honestly say like, I wasn't able to think, I wasn't able to understand why people were so like mean online to me. Like I've dealt with a lot of like side rolling. I, I switched schools a lot. Um, cause of it, like even like in-person in school bullying, cyber bullying, they're, they're both issues of just like people and projecting their hate and kids kind of half the time, I think it's just not being able to understand like where the hate is coming from and why these emotions are happening to them. You know, I talk a lot about um, the power of words. So like negative comments, obviously for part of it, but going back into kind of the stigma that surrounds it and why I think so many people, adults, and even kids try to write off, you know, oh, you're just having a bad day. It's because we throw around the the word depression too easily, right? Like something bad happens to you and it really may be just one minor event, but immediately people are like, oh, I'm so depressed. You know, like Wendy's ice cream machine was broken. Like, well, that's not depression. Like you're sad about one thing. That's not the same thing. Oh my God. Like, seriously, can I say when people online are like, oh my God, or when my friends are like to me, like, not that I don't like listen to them, but they're like, I'm literally so depressed. Like I failed my test. I'm like, <laughs> like, it's, it's really hard for me not to laugh or like cringe because I'm like, that's not depression. Depression is like, for me, it's not like being able to get out of bed or shower or like needing a lot of like push to just do simple everyday tasks because of how icky you feel inside. So it's like two completely different things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my I'm similar in my battles with depression. It's normally, it is like you said, like I just, I become lethargic. I don't have any motivation to do anything. I, I may get out of bed and make it to the couch, but then it's on the couch watching Netflix or something like that because that's all I can do. Um, you know, and it, I think that's something that is very commonly um, misidentified maybe as, oh, well, they're just being lazy. There could be a lot more going on. It, it's not necessarily laziness. Like, well, they didn't clean their room, you know, for three weeks. Well, they may not have had the energy to do it. And, you know, speaking for myself and not putting words in your mouth, but I think you're probably going to say you're kind of the same in that when you're dealing with your mental health, it takes all your energy to project and be okay in front of or around other people that when you get to that alone time, it's just recharging your batteries. That's all you can manage. My social battery runs out. I swear when I go out to a party, like it never used to be like that until, well, I mean, I'm a pretty like outgoing person for the most part, but like if, when, when you reach like sometimes a a depressive episode, it can just like really not only drain your mind, but like your actual physical health. And that's why I think it should be more important as a step towards reducing the stigma to talk about 
mental health in school and actually learn for kids to learn about the brain and about the physical effects of depression or anxiety or other mental illnesses. I think that really is a next step and a big goal of mine. I don't know how I'm going to achieve this goal yet. I'm just kind of speaking up about it wherever I can now, but um, towards stopping the stigma, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's the big thing, right? Like, so I'm 36 years old. And like I said earlier, I've, I've dealt with depression and anxiety my whole life. Um, I say my whole life because it's literally as far back as I can remember, whether it was little panic attacks or, the depression, you know, episodes and things like that. And like, I can honestly say for my whole life until about about five years ago, I never felt comfortable talking to anybody about what my mental health was like. And finally it became one of those things where through different organizations, like to write love on our arms, heart support hope for the day, like these incredible organizations that are trying to raise awareness and, and bring it to light more, um, and, you know, have strong ties to the music industry. That's when I was like, you know what, all the music, not all, but a lot of the music I listen to, like they're singing about stuff that I've been through. So I shouldn't feel like I'm alone in these battles. I need to open up and see who else is receptive. Yeah. And like, I'm literally so glad first of all, that you've come so far for you, like that's, that's, you should really be proud of yourself. Like I'm still like, even myself, like I write songs about it because I still sometimes struggle putting it into like actual conversation. And for me, like writing those, writing those emotions, they kind of are writing those thoughts and stringing together a melody. Like it's kind of like a way of like pushing that emotion out for me. And it's very therapeutic, I guess. Um, But it also is a way for someone else to hear that and be like, I felt that emotion. And I thought I was the only one feeling this emotion because nobody's talking about it. (laughs) Um, But now more people are talking about it, like your podcasts. um, I've seen like Lonely Army when I was writing it. I was seeing some conversations. I mean, I had to do a bit of deep searching still but I searched up combos on Reddit and I actually found like kids my age or like discord, like chats, like of kids being like, Oh my gosh, like I I can't even like leave my bed. And I was like, Oh, that's happened to me. Like, you you know, it's just makes you feel comfortable knowing someone else has gone through something. Right. And you know, it's, I don't have a good term for it. It's, it's that shared misery to some extent, right? Like, I know that sounds really negative, but like, okay, so somebody else has dealt with what I've dealt with. So maybe it's not so bad because, you know, they're getting through it and I've gotten through it. Let's build together. Um, and I think it's really cool that you, you know, do that research and do the deep dives like in Reddit and even Instagram searching has- hashtags and stuff like that. Um, you know, because as cliche as it is, a little bit of kindness goes a long way, right? So even just a quick comment on a Reddit post or an Instagram post and being like, hey, super proud of you for, you know, taking a shower today or just waking up today, like that can go so far for someone that's struggling. So far, like, like I've been there. I remember seeing like sometimes on my for you page being like just a reminder like think of all the ice creams that you still haven't tried and I'm like yeah I'm gonna get up today I'm actually gonna leave my bed and I'm gonna think I'm gonna go to the store and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna think about ice cream I'm just gonna buy some ice cream just is like something to do to like take my mind off it and like the person who posted that like you could have saved me from me spiraling, spiraling even more if I hadn't gone up out of bed to go get that ice cream, you know, yeah. gelato. Sorry, I don't really like ice cream that much. <laughs> kind of the same thing. <laughs> we yeah. knew what you meant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like let's talk a little bit about um, kind of the headline for for your episode, which is loneliness and isolation in youth. Um, you know, 
we've talked a little bit about writing Lonely Army um, and how important that was, but you know, so like we talked about with the pitch for mus uh, musicians for mental health, I want to talk about it without the veil of lyrics. And I know as an artist, putting up that veil and writing lyrics is easier than just having the conversation. Um, and obviously we only want to talk about as much as you're comfortable talking about, but, um, you know, going through quarantine and especially you're, you're based out of the Toronto area, you know, they had a, a super hard lockdown for quite a while and then, oh, we're kind of going to open up and then they locked it back down and all sorts of stuff. We're in lockdown right now. So, um, yeah, yeah. I thought you guys were going back into it. So let's talk a little bit about like, I guess, a, how that affects your mental health in the first place, but then the kind of effect it had when it was, hey, we're going to start opening up. Oh, no, we're not. We're going to put the brakes on. We're closing everything back down. You know, and like that start and stop that you guys have had. That honestly, I think is even worse than if we had just been in lockdown the entire time, because it's like this ray of sunshine where you'll finally have stuff to do and be able to see your friends and then it's like oh but you can't see more than one person and you can't see that person 10 feet you can't see them if you're not like 10 feet apart in a park and you can't right. see that person in certain parks and then there's only so many parks available in the city of toronto <laughs> and it's like oh but restaurants aren't open but like you are open to see your friends. What, what am I going to do now? Like, where, yeah. where am I going to go? Like, um, nothing was open, but everything was open. And then everything just closed down again. It was like the weirdest thing. So then I went to LA to like do this music. And I was like, oh my gosh, like things are actually like opening up here. Everything went into lockdown within the first two weeks of me being in LA. So I was like, but you know what, if this is for a greater outcome, then I'm fine with that. But I still felt so alone because I couldn't see other, even when you're walking down the street, you couldn't, you didn't see other people walking down the street. It felt like for a while, oh. even in LA. So that was pretty hard for me personally. You know, I don't know about your, you know, the Toronto lockdown and the LA lockdown, but I'm in Indiana and like we even had guidelines there for a while, even out in public, you were still supposed to wear your mask. And it's like, I haven't seen somebody's freaking nose and mouth in like months, you know? And then I started seeing all these posts, like I look better in my mask. It doesn't show my face. Now I don't have to see my face. And again, it's like that compare yourself thing, which happens way too much on social media. And like, I try not to do it. But it's like, then I think like, oh my gosh, like, do I look better with a mask on? Like, now what if I don't want to take that mask off? Like, stuff like that for people with anxiety over like the littlest things. In the pandemic, when you can't do a lot of the things that were in your routine before to calm down that anxiety, it's just, it's really hard. Sorry, you froze. So sorry about that. <laughs> With where I parked, my phone was in the sun. It's like, hey, your phone's overheating. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. Okay, don't worry. I hate when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I totally get what you're saying about like with the, the mask thing, right? Like I literally have a friend on Facebook that she got hired into her job while all this was going on and has only interacted over um, you know, in person with masks on. And she said she saw her boss's face for the first time the other day. And she's like, wait, are you Kelly? Like, hold on. I don't even recognize you anymore. That's so weird. That's yeah. Weird. It's I insane. I don't know. It's like, it's also the fact that people are now like getting vaccinated, which is great, but there's still like a lot of skepticism and I feel like 
darkness kind of in the world like you can't expect people to just like all of a sudden like snap right back from being told to stay home for that long and like not be able to do their daily routine and stuff that would help them like deal with those like depressive episodes or anxiety attacks like when you can't leave your house you know um so that that's also hard yeah, and I, I think, you know, that ties into going back to the, you know, kind of the loneliness and, and all of that. Like, even though you're, you know, especially you, you're around your family and stuff in, in lockdown, but those are the only people that you're really interacting with. And so when you start having problems with them and can't vent to anybody else, like that just compounds the problem of why am I stuck here? You know, like you feel trapped. Yeah. And it's also like, I felt like such a burden, like putting my issues on my friends because in the past, as we were saying earlier about like, hate and people projecting their own hate or their own emotions towards others. Like I didn't want to like project my negative emotions towards someone, like not in a hostile way, but just like how I felt. Right. Because I didn't want to like, bring them down with me I know it sounds it sounds stupid but like that's how I felt so I felt like I couldn't even talk to anyone yeah Uh, sounds stupid but for someone that has struggled with mental health like I know that exact feeling where you sometimes it builds up so much that you're like I just want to to just get it off my chest but if I do that then whoever I talk to about it it's on their shoulders now and like I shouldn't be putting my weight on them. They may have something to deal with. And you get in this, this really unfair battle with yourself about, are you worthy enough of love or open communication? And you, you trick yourself into believing that it's not okay for you to talk about it at that time. Like, honestly, I couldn't have said it better. I think you just basically took what I said and said it way better. <laughs> um, I, the other day was like, I feel I like mom, I'm, I said to my mom, like, I'm sorry, I'm such a burden. She's like, don't ever say that. I was like, why? Like, I felt, I felt like a burden to you. Like, I'm sorry. I was just saying how I felt. I was like, I thought she was like mad at me. She's like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not mad at you. Like, I'm mad at the fact that you would think that. And that was like, really, really just such a nice thing to say. I'm like, I, I don't know. I was like, from I felt untricked. Like you said, you've tricked yourself. Yeah. You felt untricked, you know. Yeah, and you know it's that for people that are listening, and whether you've struggled with mental health or not, you know, I think the important thing, and we've kind of touched on it a couple of times, is how those little acts of kindness go a long way. When someone is struggling with their mental health, reassurance is all that they want. You know, I just want to be reassured that I'm okay, that it is normal, that you do love me, whatever it is. I just want to be reassured that we're fine. Yeah. Like even my mom just saying that to me, like makes me like choked up because I genuinely couldn't have asked for like, like, that's all I want. Like, it's just someone to like reassure me and be like, no, you're fine. Your problems are valid. And as a young person, I know we talked about this earlier, but like it gets really, it feels lonely sometimes. Like say you don't have siblings. I I do, but like if someone listening doesn't have siblings to vent to and they only have their parents and those parents have those adult issues, as we were saying, like it's really hard and you feel very isolated and alone and just those small gestures, parents, if you're listening, small gestures, those are like, that's all you can do. That's all. That's like, you know, Not only is it, not only is it all that you can do, it's all they want. Exactly. That's what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. And I'm just trying to reiterate it because I think so often part of the reason that that stigma is there, or maybe because of the stigma that's there, people assume that, well, I can't help with mental health because I don't know enough about it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's fair. You know, it, it, it's an uncomfortable topic, but it's not we're not coming to you for therapy necessarily. Mm -hmm. We just have to unload a little bit, or we just need you to say, Hey, you know, I'm really glad you showed up to school today or, you know, thanks for liking that post. 
those little things mean so much more because now we know, oh, I'm not just the, the term that I've used for myself even, and it's not a good thing to think, but I've often referred to myself as kind of the background friend, right? Like I've got a bunch of friends, but am I anybody's best friend? Is anybody, you know, like, again, getting back into tricking yourself into, am I good enough to even be friends with some of these people? And it's like, why would I, I allow myself to start thinking that way? I feel like you just stepped inside of my brain (laughs) because, because I feel like so many kids my age, like we're all so connected through our phones and not connected in person as much as like, obviously like, you know, things used to be before technology and the internet or whatever, like (laughs) normal to have internet friends. And we're so, I mean, with COVID obviously even more connected through our phones, it feels like you have all of these people online and all of these friends on your phone, but this phone, I'm, it's my hand, pretend I'm holding a phone. It's not, that's not a friend. That's not a real connection right. or a best friend or a real person. So that makes you feel even more alone. Like, cause everyone else seems to be doing fine with like their friends. And like, you have all these friends on this device, but then why do you feel so alone? It's cause that's not a real connection. Right. At least yeah, that's what and, No, and I, I totally agree because the, the big thing missing through especially like text messages and comments on social media and stuff, you don't get the body language. You don't get the, the voice connotations and things like that. So like a simple, okay, for someone that has mental health problems, depression, anxiety, things like that, especially you start reading into those two letters. Okay. Well, are they mad? What, what do they mean? Okay. Like, hold on. Did I say something wrong? And you just start really overthinking and it just compounds your, your depressive thoughts or your anxiety again. And then you kind of start to withdraw, right? Like, well, I, I must've made them mad. I'm just going to not talk anymore. And then you find out like four or five days later, like they'll send you a text and be like, Hey, you, why did we stop talking the other day? Like you never answered my question or whatever. And it's like, I thought you were mad at me. Yeah. Or it like goes the other way for me. Like, you start talking too much. Yeah. <laughs> you do think that they're mad at you. And you're like, are you mad at me? Like, what did I say wrong? Like all this stuff. And after a while, the person's like, I'm not mad at you. Like, just shut up. And with that, that like moment of outburst for them to you is like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what did I just do? You know? So that's, that's the other side of it. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the thing there's a line in a song. Um, I don't know if you listen to the band called Slaves. They've got a, a newer album out, came out last year. But the song is called Talk to a Friend. And he's got a line in there where he says, I wouldn't talk to a friend the way I talk to myself. And it's like, it, it's so true because, you know, as people with depression and anxiety and stuff, the stuff we say to ourselves in our head is some of the most cruel mean demeaning negative stuff and like if our friend was standing in front of us we wouldn't we wouldn't project those words out so why do we allow ourselves to say them to ourselves i i'm still figuring wait sorry are you asking me that question or Uh, you can yeah if you have an answer for it (laughs) oh i was like i'm i was about to say i'm still figuring that out myself because like half the time i think of the stuff that i say i'm like after I say it in my head, I'm like, look around, see if anyone's listening. I'm like, if I had said that out loud and someone was there, I think they would put me in like a psych ward like right. sometimes, you know, and that knowing, like you, even just hearing that from you, it's like, whoa, like I feel the same way. And then someone listening to this podcast is like, whoa, I feel the same way. And it's like, these are things that are normal. So why is it so weird for it to be like, oh, I feel the same way. Like, why am I like surprised that like that also happens to you? I mean, like I'll never be able to see inside of your brain. So I think that's a bit of the mind bender, but it's like kids should be able to understand the way that we think to a basic level on science. Like I really believe in science for that reason. 
because mental health is like just as important as your physical health, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've said for a long time, I think part of the problem, quote unquote, with mental health is if you break your arm, everybody can see that they know what's wrong. But when it's in your mind and it's depression or anxiety, they can't see what's happening. So they don't understand or know how to approach the problem. Exactly. It's, it's like you were saying before, how, how sometimes the smallest gestures can go such a long way because all people want is reassurance. They're not asking you to solve those problems. When you see someone with a broken arm, you're not asking them to fix their broken arm, sorry, broken arm, but with mental health issues and you telling your problems to someone, sometimes they think that you're trying to be, they're they're supposed to be your therapist and they're supposed to fix your problems. You're not supposed to fix a broken arm. It's the same for mental health. You're not supposed to fix that person's problems. They just want your reassurance. (laughs) Especially like, I like the broken arm um, or like a broken leg for my analogy, because like, if you saw someone with a broken arm carrying a bunch of groceries, you're probably going to try to help that person carry their groceries. Yeah. So with mental health, it's kind of that, like we've got a little bit of a broken brain of sorts and there's just too much for us to hold on to. And we just want someone to help us carry that load for a second or, you know, take a bag off of our hands so that we can rest really and then we can pick it all back up yeah like literally just just for a minute just like you're not asking you to fix me I can deal with my own stuff I can I'm still figuring out how to deal with my own stuff that's not your responsibility but your responsibility is as my friend or peer or whatever to just support and reassure me and if I do need you to like hold my little broken brain grocery bags just for a minute and then I'll take them back. Can you do that? And I think if your friend can't do that, or if that person who you're going to talk to can't do that, then maybe you shouldn't be talking to them or maybe you should be talking to someone else, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, going back to your age one more time here, especially like, I feel like at, at my age, 36 now, I have a responsibility because I've dealt with depression and anxiety for so long and, you know, really been around mental health issues. Again, as long as I can remember, I, I truly feel like now I've got the responsibility for the youth to say like, look, it's okay. You know, I know it's hard. I've been there. I've done things I'm not proud of. I've, you know, had battles and and struggles and all that but I'm still here, you know, like it is possible to work through all this. Um, and I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but even at at 16, like sometimes that's all you want as an adult or someone, even your age to just say, I understand and let's figure out how to get you through it. You're, you're absolutely right. Because I'm also really, I'm also really glad you said that because your story is so inspirational to me. And just seeing you and um, hearing about your journey reassures me without you even having to reassure me, like without you even having to just say like, don't worry, you're going to be fine. Like just knowing that you were fine makes me feel reassured and that I will be fine. And so if saying that I feel alone can not like reassure someone with me saying like, you don't have to feel alone, but reassure them in the sense that they're like, oh, I feel alone, but like, you're doing okay. Like you're, you're making your way through this. So like, I'm reassured, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I'm not yeah sure. I think that's exactly it is, no, I, I think that's exactly it is like a lot of times you don't even have to say the words. It's just the presence that, that we can see like, okay, they've been through what I've been through. That means it is possible. And it gives you that that extra little boost of strength to say, well, it was possible for them. So I'm going to make it possible for me. Exactly. And as like my generation gets older and your generation gets older and like you are an adult and the fact that you are going out on like a limb, like a lot of your millennial cracks, right? 
Technically, yeah. Okay. So then like the generation say above you and above you weren't brought up probably the same way as you with this openness about talking about it. And so for that reason, they are more conservative, but as time goes on and generations get older and my generation is super open. So then the generation below me can be even more open than us. And I mean, I wouldn't say my generation is super open, but we are pretty aware. Yeah. By comparison, I think definitely, you know, and I've talked about before, you know, like you mentioned the the generations before me, toxic masculinity is such, has Mm -hmm. always been such a problem. Like you're a man, you'll get through it. Like, me being a man shouldn't fucking matter. Like, it's still a problem. And it's also, like, it's also still a problem in more than just mental health. Right. Like, it's a problem in almost every aspect of life. I think even in school, like, talking to my emotions, to my guy friends, it's like, they, a lot of them didn't feel comfortable talking about that stuff with talking with me about that stuff because they were like brought up as if like it was kind of weird for them to talk about that stuff you know and like 16 it's 2021 like dude like you don't have to be you don't have to be worried about talking about this like or that's how I feel a lot of the time yeah no and I think that's the the key right like we've talked about the stigma so much already but that's exactly where what the stigma is is that well, I'm a guy or even outside of, of gender, like based on your household or whatever, however you're, you're raised, like it could be a female, it could be a transgendered person. It, there's no boundary on it and there's no, you know, mental health doesn't discriminate either. Mm-hmm. And so like how you're brought up affects how you interact with people, which in turn affects how they feel towards you and how it affects their mental health or physical health hopefully not but you know there's there's all these factors that it's kind of that butterfly effect that all it takes is one friend to sit and listen and that may save a life whether they know it or not no seriously like one friend one post one song even like I think I've listened to something in the way by Nirvana like 40 million times I listened to that song before writing Lonely Army and it just like made me feel so at peace and so comfortable with like being in that like uncomfortable state. And yeah. I think, I think that knowing that music has no boundaries in that sense, the same way as like mental health has no boundaries has like really influenced my songwriting. And like, I'm not trying to make it all about me and my songwriting. It's just like <laughs> bringing up like the most valid things. I'm like, when I was writing Lonely Army, like, yep that was definitely what I was going through and still am going through. And, you know, probably sure other people are going through that too. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you bring up that music has no boundaries. One of the things I put in my, my pitch for this podcast was that um, the music community is such a beautiful place. Right. And like when you're at a show or listening to music, it doesn't all of a sudden things don't matter. Like that, that may be the only place that you feel safe. It's the only place that you feel comfortable. There are people just like you enjoying the same thing that you're enjoying. And that's what this is about. Yes. Music is the best. (laughs) I will say that. I mean, (laughs) I mean, music wise for me, my experience has been all over the place, like from like, Broadway to like, you know, now I write like kind of punk pop music, right? Music, rock music. Um, and so being able to like just not just not care at a festival or really care at a festival if the song can influence a crowd that much at an actual music festival and like the way they're feeling and their how they're in touch with their emotions. Imagine what music can do for like just not being at a concert and just every day being in touch with your emotions. Like I stopped listening. I had this depression playlist and I deleted it and I really did need it during that one time in my life. But when I finally felt like I was like 
able to move past that state and I could, I could do it. I deleted that playlist and I made a new playlist and it was kind of like the step after that and the deleted that playlist and made another playlist after that, a step after that, you know, to kind of gradually help me out from where right. I was. That's really powerful. And that is why the music community brings people together. I think also not even meaning to. Yeah. And I, I think that's a super cool idea. And, you know, I think it's worth people trying to like take your, your normal playlist that you put on when you're sad and just tweak it, just change a few songs or don't play that one and start playing, you know, something, something slightly more upbeat or something that, you know, when you're in your car with the windows down that you turn all the way up to sing to listen to that song instead. Yeah. And it's also like, hard to get out of that state when you kind of like limit yourself to certain things like if if for me from my experience like if I feel depressed or feel really anxious and I keep going back to this playlist that amplifies those emotions it's like great when I need it and I just want to feel those emotions and get those emotions out but it's like after a while you can't let it become a vicious cycle you know Right. And I think the important thing uh, with that would be go ahead and make that playlist, right? But limit it. This playlist is going to be one hour long and I'm going to give myself one hour, one straight playthrough to feel this way and to listen to these songs. And then I'm moving on because I don't want to be stuck here. Yeah. Like honestly, setting boundaries for me has really helped with like depression and anxiety because like taking breaks from even like listening to music or taking breaks from working from doing school just like 20 minutes I'll be like sorry I'm gonna watch anime and I'm not gonna think about anything else and like just like a concert nothing's gonna matter but this anime episode that I'm watching and doing exercises like that like that's just a personal thing that has helped me dealing with like loneliness and depression and anxiety but like you know I think I think that's a great strategy yeah absolutely and you know it goes into the whole self-care you know a lot of people so important. don't well and they don't use the term properly right like or at least they use it superficially I should say so you know I know I've seen people on on social media that you know oh self-care day and it's like I'm getting a manicure and a pedicure. And for some people that may truly be self-care, but is it really what self-care is meant to be? To me, that's like icing on the cake. Like the nails and the, that's like taking care of yourself further. To me, self-care is like the bare minimum of taking care of yourself, like getting the right nutrition and making sure that you are clean and don't smell bad and you know you're healthy um but doing all of those things also if that's going to help you get out of the state that you know is affecting you like just getting your nails done and having those really cute nails and just being like I love my nails I don't care about what's going on at school right now doesn't matter I'm getting these nails done um that's very important too just as important as self-care like the bare minimum yeah absolutely um so i think that's that's everything i'm gonna use for this episode and what i what i mean by that is um i think obviously we've touched on a lot of stuff and i think this has been a, a super good conversation um i'm really glad that we've had it and i think for your age i'm gonna you know hit that one last time for your age um I think you have advanced so far past what is expected of 16 year olds when it comes to mental health. Um, and you know, that's a huge Testament to you. I think, you know, musically you're on the right path for the goal that you have. Like obviously musicians want to make money. They want to become successful in different forms, whether that's, you know, performing across the world or whatever it is. I think, like you said earlier, if you can just write songs that help people understand that they're not alone and pulls them out of these depressive episodes or, 
you know, just makes them feel a little less vulnerable. I think that to me, as much as I would love to have millions of dollars, to me, that's a more important goal to have is that I helped people without a expectation of something in return. Yeah. At the end of the day, like that's genuinely all I want. Maybe in like a nice movie, but like (laughs) that's, that's all I want to do with my music or with my life, you know? Cause like when you experience something even firsthand, it makes your like more, you know, you feel entitled to like do something about that thing. I don't know. So, so it's really great talking to you. Like genuinely haven't had this good of a conversation about mental health and like about anxiety and everything in a very like in a minute probably yeah. since I was writing this writing this music you know like I do yeah. so thanks for being so open really appreciate that yeah yeah no absolutely and you know I I always tell people like you know I think once you take that deep breath and accept that the conversation may not always be easy. It may be uncomfortable, but I can accept that to get to know a friend better or to help a friend. Like it doesn't matter what they come to you with at that point, because you're going to know in your heart that this is what they need. And this is helping. Oh my God. You're my new best friend after this conversation. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to be friends with you. Like, <laughs> I genuinely, I genuinely think it's so hard for so many people to open up and even especially in your shoes um what you're doing is like just so amazing like chef's kiss <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate that um so yeah let's do kind of the the standard outro um obviously we still want to promote your music and stuff like that so um we'll have links to all your socials and and you know music videos and stuff as they come out but tell fans or, you know, listeners, whether they're fans of yours or not, you know, hopefully through hearing your perspective on especially loneliness and isolation and youth, that they're going to gravitate to you at, at least a little bit and, and check out what you're about. Tell them kind of what they can expect and where to find you um, to kind of follow your journey. Yeah. Um, I mean, whether you're a fan of me or not, if you follow me on Instagram, I post way too much. <laughs> It's Adobe Towers, but for me, musically wise, I'm working a lot more towards this goal of promoting mental health awareness um, personally after dealing with anxiety and depression. And I know I'm 16 and I know that that may put me at a bit of a disadvantage or an advantage, depending on how old you are and if you can relate to me or not. But I think at the end of the day, we can all general genuinely relate to the feeling of being alone and loneliness. And I'm sure that everyone has experienced that at some point in their life. And my song lonely army is really about that. So, yeah. And, and to touch on that one last time before we, we go here, I think maybe more importantly than people your age or, you know, within your age bracket, adults need to check out your song, especially those adults that have kids, because I think you, whether you intended it or realized it at the time of writing it or not, you've put out there this snapshot of what life is like at your age and what kids are going through. And I think for adults to listen to that song, again, I'm 36 and I've been through this stuff, but still to listen to your song, I'm like, man, you know, life hasn't gotten any easier. Social media wasn't a big thing. I had MySpace back when I was growing up, you know, it wasn't the same thing. So to know that there are people hurting at, at such a young age, like we talked about earlier, the, the 10 year olds that are committing suicide, like why as a society, are we allowing any of this to happen? And I think your song again, puts it in that snapshot perspective that this is how a lot of kids are feeling like it takes two minutes to sit down with your kid and say, Hey, how are things going? Like, honestly, how are things going? And just let them know that, that it is a safe place for them to talk. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm so happy you said that because lonely army really does speak for my generation and parents. I should have thought of this, but parents, 
you have kids in my generation or younger, my song, I think unintentionally after talking with my friends and seeing kids online and just being a kid who is online constantly and taking all of that information that I have, I, I literally wrote in a song, dude, like I've done the research for you, like, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm glad you said that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, Sophie, I, I really appreciate it. I think you're well beyond a 16 year old when it comes to mental health. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to more conversations. You know, I, I think we'll definitely touch base again at some point. Um, and, be seeing and a lot. Get, <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll touch base again. Um, you know, we're going to promote your music as much as we can, things like that. But I'm, I'm really glad and you know, I know we don't know each other. This is our first interaction, but I'm going to say it like I'm really proud of you and the the drive that you have to make mental health such a factor in what you want to do. Thank you. Warms my heart. <laughs> I know it's so easy to say, but it genuinely does because um, that's like my goal. So like, again, being reassured by you, like I know we haven't, I know we just met, but like I feel like I've known you for a while, like just after this conversation. Um, so I, I really, really appreciate it. And I think what you're doing also exactly like, like it's equal to me. Like we basically, we have a pretty similar goal in that sense. So let's, let's keep, let's keep grinding. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, like I said, we'll definitely be in touch and broadcast your stuff as much as we can, but, uh, you know, keep it up and, and let's see if we can't knock this stigma down. Yeah, it'll be just the two of us at the end of the day with our lonely army. <laughs> We're going to try, you know, we it, it has to start somewhere, right? Like, not to get too deep back into the conversation, but like, I think that's where a lot of people struggle is that I'm just one person, I can't do enough. It takes one person to start the movement, you know, so. Look at Greta Thunberg. Look at yeah. Greta Thunberg. Like, I mean, obviously there were a bunch of people who helped her and it's not just her, but she is one person and she influences another person and another person. So like to anyone listening, like you can influence others just by listening to us because then more people are here. Absolutely. You know, the, the wider that door becomes open, the more we talk about mental health, the safer this society gets. Yes. Couldn't have said it better. Awesome. I appreciate it, Sophie. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Okay. Talk soon. And that was my conversation with Sophie Powers. Huge shout out to Sophie for having that conversation with me. I said it in the conversation with her that I really believe she's so far beyond what is expected of a 16-year-old, and I don't know if part of that is just the age gap or being through mental health for such a long time in my own life, if maybe I just, at her age, didn't feel like I could talk about it. And, you know, she's being open and honest with people about her own experiences and her perspective on these things and it's just it's really refreshing to see it's kind of inspiring to see that she is ready to start taking these steps already and provide assistance to other people and like we talked about in the episode you know this assistance isn't necessarily being someone's counselor or therapist or anything of that nature, it's providing support and reassurance that it is okay to talk about these things, that it is okay to experience these things. And again, Sophie was just incredible to talk to and really gives me hope that these stigmas around mental health and the conversations of mental health are starting to kind of peel back a little bit and I think that through this podcast and all these incredible organizations that today's youth 
can start making advances in mental health. And as I said, towards the end of that conversation, like the more open and honest that we become about these topics, the safer that society becomes because we won't feel like the black sheep necessarily anymore, or we won't feel like we have to put up these facades when we're struggling. I really appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to this conversation. Um, again, hopefully people are taking away bits of this information and maybe changing their perspective a little bit or finding tools that they can use in their own mental health experience or even just allowing others to offload their, their burden for a minute so that they can kind of reset like we talked about. If you are going through mental health struggles or are in crisis, please, please do not hesitate to reach out to the Suicide Prevention Hotline, Crisis Text Line, or any of the incredible organizations out there, especially based in the music community, such as Heart Support, to Write Love on Our Arms and Hope for the Day are three that we're big fans of, you know, we've done work with and things like that. I hope that these conversations continue, that people begin to have these conversations in their daily lives, and that we can break down the stigma and misconception that because mental health isn't comfortable to talk about that it is invalid and that is just simply not true i'm going to end this the same way that i end my other podcast and that's with this simple reminder um, that i want you to take care of yourselves take care of each other and you make the scene